Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. You guys have you guys have just come up. You know, the praise and worship's just outstanding today. Not that it wasn't good before, but it's just it's been upgraded. And I think Mark's a part, uh, Pastor Mark's a part of it. Don't you just love your pastors? <laughs> I do. If you can't get along with them, just quit. Just don't even go to a church because you're not going to find anybody that loves people better than they do. That's my opinion. I've been all over the world a couple times now. Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me to just get started. It's not in my notes, but I want to show you something in Psalm 78 here as we're starting this meeting. And by the way, I'm thrilled to be here with you. Let me see here. Uh, Chapter 78 in the book of Psalms and uh, verse 41. I had that open. Well, we're going to look at some things here today and get started. It's supposed to be signs and wonders meetings, what your pastor told me. So that's why I'm starting it like this. I'm starting out in some things here with us. Thank you, Father. And uh, get all my stuff laid out here. Praise God. Now, look at this, Psalm 78, 41. Yea, they turned back, that's the people of Israel, and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not His hand, which stands for His anointing. You know, the Bible said the hand of the Lord came on um, Elisha or Elijah, one of the prophets. He outran the king's chariot. You've got to be moving quick to do that because the king's got the best horses or the nicest car, or whatever, most horsepower. So the, the hand here is anointing. So, but what I'm saying is, so they remember not his anointing, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. But here's the problem here. They limited the Holy One of God. I'm just saying to you, as we're starting right now, this first session, if you just take the limits off of God and let him do what he wants to do, and just flow with me if you can. If you can't, then don't. But you're not going to get it all unless you flow with God. And you don't limit him. I wonder if God could, you could fill in the blank. Yes, he can do that and much more. (laughs) He he goes beyond what I can believe. You know, he says that, beyond what I could ask or believe, ask or receive. You know, in Ephesians 3 there. Hey, hallelujah. All right, let's go into the New Testament now. I'm talking about signs and wonders, but we won't have them if we limit God. I wonder if God could do that. Well, he could do whatever you could believe him for. All right, so let's go to, let's go to Matthew 14 here. I believe that's where I want to start today. We'll see where we go. But uh, we're talking about signs and wonders. And uh, well, I'm going to read this first, then I'm going to share a couple testimonies with you. You know, the older I get, the more testimonies I have, but the more I read those to people because I was in a meeting in Lima, Peru about 10 years ago, and I was up preaching, and I told about a lady in Indiana. I think it's over by Evansville. I don't remember the city. It's a little Podunkville, you know, just way out in the boonies. And uh, 
and I prayed for a lady that had scoliosis. I have a lot of miracles happen in my ministry, especially bone miracles, heart miracles, all kinds of miracles. People, God gets new parts to people sometimes. And we've got documentation on a lot of that. Not everybody, but we have uh, doc documentation on one of these. I'm going to read you in a minute. But uh, I was in uh, Lima, Peru, and I was, preaching about scoli I was preaching about redemption. And I said, I'm moving the spirit. And I said, I prayed for a lady with scoliosis. She fell out on the floor. And I went on ministering to some other people. And the Lord said, turn around and look. I turned around and looked. And there was an angel standing over her. And he put his hand right through her midsection, right in here, grabbed her tailbone at the base and went like that. You see me do my hand like that? And all the bones went straight straightened that thing right out. I saw it in the spirit, but she went home to her with her husband, and he checked her, and he, she came back next night and said, he said, my spine's straighter than his now. I'm telling that in Lima, Peru, and there's a lady there from, uh, from Canada. She's got scoliosis of the spine, plus she has a tumor of some sort in her back. She went like this. It's about that big, and it radiates pain constantly. And I didn't know that at the time. She just a lady in the prayer line. I don't know what's wrong with everybody. If I told you what was wrong with you, you know, you responded, that'd be different. But in this, I just said, come if you need help. And the lady got in my line. And the next day, I'm coming in the service. It's a shotgun, 1,200 people. It's about 10 times as far back as that wall. I don't know. It's a huge place, but it's narrow. And so she's walking behind me, Dr. Jacobs, Dr. Jacobs. I said, yes, ma'am. I got to get to my seat. By the, when the bell rings, I'm a guest, you know. She said, you know, I got in your prayer line last night, but she said, I wouldn't have got in your prayer line, but you mentioned a lady in Indiana got healed of scoliosis, and that's what I had. Plus, I had a tumor, a knot on my back that radiated pain. She went like that constantly, and it's all gone. I woke up with my husband this morning. There's no knot, no pain. My spine is straight. So that triggered something in me, and I thought about that over and over again, and that's part of the reason I share testimonies, and I'm going to write a new book. I'd like you to be in it if you get something from me, but if you don't, then you can't get in it unless you got something from me, because this is my ministry in the book. And I'm going to put all the healings and miracles that I have record of, and I would say only one-tenth of people that I pray for ever send me anything. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about a witness that that even happened. I don't know what's wrong with people. I just say, just put on there, I was healed of such and say, you don't have to give me your history. I don't care who you're married to, how many kids you have, how many dogs you have, just the testimony. Could you do that? I'm not yelling at you, but anyway. I was in a meeting down in Kentucky, Bowling Green, Kentucky. He's in Bowling Green, Kentucky, right? And a man came in in a wheelchair, and he said, hey, Dr. Jacobs. I said, yes, sir. He said, do I know you? He said, well, I was in your meeting by the guy on the front row here, one of my pastors, and I said, that's Randy Parnell. Yeah, I was with you in his meeting in Columbia, Kentucky. I said, oh, yeah, I had a meeting there a while back. He said, there's two people that got miracles from you. Did they write you? I said, they didn't say a word. What, I don't even know about it. What are you talking about? Well, a lady had uh, some kind of uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and she didn't even walk normal. She looked like a very strange person trying to walk, and God totally healed her in your meeting. You prayed for her. I did? Yeah, and she's walking around town giving God the glory. I said, well, have her write me a letter. Just use one of my cards. He just write two or three lines. It'd be helpful. And said, I have a real good friend. A friend of mine had stage four cancer in both lungs. He prayed for him, and God healed him. He's healed. He doesn't have cancer anymore. <laughs> I said, it's the first I've heard about it. <laughs> and a guy in a wheelchair is talking for him. Oh, well, praise God. Hallelujah. So I get a living explanation because that's why part of the reason I have, 
I don't know, maybe 300, maybe 400, maybe more testimonies of people all over the world. And if they can, I ask them to send me the documentation if they have it. And many do, some don't, some don't maybe have it, but they know they're healed, they're not painful in pain. Things happen to them, straighten out their system, all kinds of stuff. It's all kinds of stuff. I don't know where to tell you or not. I don't know if you can believe with me. I've already seen it. I had one lady get a new heart. I have the documentation from her doctor. I didn't know how bad she was ailing, but she was really in bad shape, about 32 years old, had two children. She couldn't go from the door to the mailbox without falling down trying to get back to the house and said, sometimes I just have to lay in the grass until my husband or my kids came home from school. And if I could get it going, I would try to like army crawl to the front door and try to get in. But sometimes I didn't make it. And she, and when I prayed for her, I just said, what do you need, Joyce? And she said, I need a new heart. I said, give her a new heart, Lord. And then this went on. That's all I said to her, give her a new heart, Lord. Went on. But she fell on the floor. This is her side of it. A couple weeks later, she caught me and said, you know, when you prayed for me a couple weeks ago, I fell on the floor. I felt energy invade my chest. I must have been the anointing. I said, it must have been. Or the angel put a new heart in you or something. I don't know. What did you do? Well, I went back to my regular doctor. He checked my heart. He said, Joyce, I think something's happened to you. Go back to the cardiology people, you know, the heart doctors. He got her in a room after he did some uh, pictures of her heart, her new heart. He got her in a room. He stuck up one. You know, they stick those. There's lights behind him. This is the heart you had a month ago. This is your heart today. You could tell that's not the same heart that this was. You got a new heart. How did that happen? I think she told him a man of God prayed for him. I don't know if he bought into it, but he had the proof that she had a new heart. More importantly, she had the proof she had a new heart. <laughs> I better get on with my teaching here a little bit. Matthew 14 here. Let's start, let's start here. Verse, um, let me find it here. Uh, verse 34, Matthew 14, verse 34. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him. Now this is important we get this. They had knowledge of him. They didn't just have knowledge about him. But they had knowledge of him as a healer. And they, they, so they sent out into all that country around about and brought unto him all that were diseased. Now I want you to understand that. If they found anybody that had any kind of issue with their bodies sickness, disease, demon possessed, demons cause a lot of sickness too. That's another issue. I won't deal with it this morning unless you, you need it. <laughs> if you're full of devils, you can run up here. I'll get that out of you. But you've got to walk it out. That's the key to it. Not just me getting you delivered. That's the easy part. But anyway, I'm just talking here. But they went everywhere. What I'm trying to show you, all that were diseased. They didn't say, what do you have? Oh, that, he can't cover that. What do you have? You got, oh, he can't cover that. No, they just went, they just went and found sick people oh, yeah. and brought them to the meeting. Yeah. That might be a clue for some of you. You can bring sick people to my meeting to get them healed. Yeah. Now, it's going to take their faith too sometimes. You know, I wrote a whole book on it back here. My books are over there. You're welcome to buy them. I'm not advertising them now, but I do have a book, uh, you know, about healing back there. And, and I wrote a whole book on impartations out of Romans 1, 11, and 12. It says the mutual faith of you and me. Yeah. That mutual means I have faith to release what I have, you have faith to receive it. Yeah. I'm not going to carry you and piggyback you into heaven, you know. 
I don't know if you know that or not. I'm big enough to say that now because I know it. And I taught my kids that when they were 13. I set my daughter down first because she's the oldest. I said, honey, I've carried you this far, and when we couldn't get it with her face entirely, we took you to the doctor. But this is what I want to say to you. I'm not going to carry you your whole life. God wouldn't permit me to do that. If he did, I'd carry my whole church. And they would always got healed. But that's not the case. You're not going to carry somebody their whole I said, if you live right and I live right, and you wear out Bibles like Dad has, get with God and love God with all your heart. And that's what I've been praying for you, that you'll love God as much as I do or more. And your brother, too, but he was younger. Uh, you know, I could agree with you the rest of my life, but I cannot carry you. You're going to be 21 in a few more years, then 30 and 40 and 50. You know, I just, you just need to realize what I'm telling you. You've got to have your own relationship with Jesus. You can't ride on my coattail. I'm going to love you until I go to heaven or you go, whichever way comes first. But just remember, get in the Word with me. That way you could be in faith and I'd be in faith. We can agree on things. Agreement's different than carrying somebody. <laughs> They're doing their part of that and I'm doing my part of it. Preaching real good. You're not saying much. You must be eating. Hard to swallow. I don't know. It shouldn't be. It's pretty, pretty, pretty easy. So they brought unto Jesus all that were diseased. I'm, I'm trying to say that so you, there was no barriers. They must have heard that verse I just taught. I don't know. I don't know if Matthew knew that when he wrote that, if he knew the Old Testament that well. That's where I got it, Psalm 78, 41. They tempted God and limited him. If you won't limit him, he will not be limited. All right. So they got all that were diseased, and then in verse 36, they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched. So that means if there were 200 or 2,000, or 1,200, or 14,000. I don't know how many there was. But it says, as many as touched were made perfectly whole. See, this meeting's about getting you whole. It may come in the form of healing of your body. It could come in the form of renewing your mind to what I'm saying. Or maybe you never heard this before. I know Pastor Mark and Donor are wonderful teachers. That's not a reflection when I say that of them. But sometimes you hear it, but you don't really hear it, hear it. Just so you know what I'm talking about, I know what I'm talking about. I've been in this over 50 years, and I've been in full-time ministry 45 uh, in August, but I go in my 46th year of full-time ministry. I'm not a newcomer to anything. I'm 73, by the way. I know I don't look it, but he renews my youth. Now, the Amplified Bible of this last verse, instead of saying we're made perfectly whole, it says they were perfectly restored perfectly restored. And so sometimes it just takes a little bit longer uh, for some people to get it, even in chapter 15 here. Just, just run over here with me. I'm in Matthew still, chapter 15, uh, verse 29 and following. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh into the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes, when that says great multitudes, we're talking Yum Center and beyond. Does anybody know what the Yum Center is? Here, it's in Kentucky. It holds about 20,000 people. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm showing you stuff here. When it made great multitudes, it wasn't 13 people. Or this crowd today, even. All right. And great, mul great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, 
and many others, and they cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Inasmuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Notice they didn't glorify God until they got healed. That's, you know, because you've heard this old teaching probably, I don't think it originated with the Baptists, it just originated with people with no faith. God put that on you to teach you something. He's never done that. If you think that's right, we'll just get a ball bat and hit your kid when they get off the bus to school in the morning and see if that's going to help them learn better. That's the kind of thinking you're telling me you believe. You can't put it against God in that setting and bring it over here and say, oh my God, I'd have you arrested. Well, God would have you arrested too if you hurt his children. <laughs> just by not showing up for you if you're going to act like that. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days. I'm going to be here four, so we ought to have it made. <laughs> I'm just showing you some scripture so you didn't think I made that up. The longer you stay with somebody and we're teaching, I may say stuff that ring your bell today. I may say things that may be not, not to hurt you, but it may be corrective or a rebuke or something. I'm not calling you out individually unless I needed to. If I scare you, go ahead. I'm trying to help you here. But I may say something you're unfamiliar with and you don't digest that too well. We'll come back tonight. Maybe I'll say something that makes that taste so much better. Amen. <laughs> My point in sharing this scripture with you now is that they stayed with Jesus three days. They didn't all get it in the first session. I'm not better than him, you know, and you're certainly not either. Amen. <laughs> Are you? No, I'm not any better than him. One time I went to church, it was such a bad meeting, and it really wasn't my fault. I did the same things I do here and other, all over the world, and the people were just so stubborn and angry and ugly, and I asked the pastor when I got done with that meeting, I said, don't ask me to come back. I'm not coming back. But he begged me, and he said, just for me, come back. I said, okay, I'll come back one more time. Then I finally said, no, I'm not coming back again. <laughs> I'm not mad at people, but if you're going to waste my time, not you, but they did, and not appreciate anything God did for them, why would I go? You know, Jesus went where he was honored, and he couldn't get things done when he was dishonored. And I went back to the hotel after that first meeting was crying. I said, Father, I'm so sorry I couldn't get nothing done in there tonight. He said, stop that crying, Michael. Stop crying. Okay, I got a clean neck, blew my nose. What do you need to say? He said... Did you ever read Mark 6 where they turned me down in my own hometown? I said, yeah, I have. He said, well, you're not better than me, are you? I said, no. I'm not in my hometown, but they acted as ugly or worse than the people in my own hometown. <laughs> he said, that's what I mean, but you couldn't help them because they weren't respecting you. They didn't honor you. Just like they didn't honor me there, and I couldn't get much done, just little piddly stuff. I couldn't get done what they said. Won't you do what happened over here? We heard these big miracles, but they didn't want to believe for that. They were limited. Okay, I'm not down on you. I'm just helping you if you listen. I wanted to read a couple healing testimonies. Uh, this happened in 2018, it says. I'll just give you the first. Her name is Andrea, and she lives in Illinois. You prayed for her back pain, and I received. You prayed for my back pain, and I received my healing that night after two, 21 and a half years of pain. I read that wrong this morning. I thought it said two and a half. Twenty-one and a half years of pain. When I was seven months pregnant, I had to bent over to pick up a sock. 
and my one disc got it has a chip in it. I had to wear a maternity brace the rest of my pregnancy. The doctor wanted to do surgery, but I never went for that. I just dealt with my lower back having a bulging disc and my hips being out of whack and uh, burning feeling all the time and walking with a limp in the morning until I got going and after working or lifting anything. But now there's no bulge, no burn, no limp, no pain, and my hips are even even and my neck doesn't click from being out of joint anymore either. I'm healed. <laughs> wow. And I'm not a chiropractor or anything either. Just thought I'd let you know that. This lady here had a serious heart issue. Um, this happened in 2018 also, at least that's when she sent me this email. You prayed for me for the valves in my heart and for my heart as a whole at Church on the Rock in Georgetown, that's Dr. Hattabaugh's church, and my heart is healed. The diagnosis the heart doctor had was that I had inflammation and that I had a previous diagnosis of a damaged heart pulmonary valve and regurgitation. That means the blood goes back into the heart by a certain valve and it was not fully closing. According to the cardiologist in, the co in College Station, I think that's in Texas, the problem was congenital from birth and this problem gave me a heart murmur, something like a double heartbeat. According to the diagnosis in the two attached documents, there's no heart murmur now and no problem with the pulmonary valve, praise the Lord. I just wanted to read, she, this says she had an echocardiogram. There's a lot of uh, uh, lingo in here that's medical, but I found this on the back. After they did all these tests on the conclusions, left ventricle normal size and thickness, normal wall motion, normal systolic function, um, right ventricle normal size and function, left atrium normal size, right atrium normal size, mi mitral valve normal, tricuspid valve normal, I may be murdering these words, but anyway, pulmonary valve normal, and in conclusion, everything's normal. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring that today. It's kind of interesting. I hadn't read it in a long time, but I carry stuff like that with me. It's to remind me. And that's not the lady that had that new heart. This is the lady got the heart she had repaired. This is, the other lady was a different lady altogether. Her name was something else. She was in my church. This lady was in Texas. Are you with me so far? All right, let's go back to Matthew 9 a minute. Matthew 9 and verse 35. And we're talking, of course, about healing a little bit. And I may share some more testimonies here. I've got a lot of them on another piece of paper that went with another message. But I'd like to say some more things here. Let me give some more scriptures in us. Uh, Matthew 9.35, and you've got to realize when I read things about Jesus, the Bible says we should follow in his steps. So now I have a healing endowment, which is a little different. It's not just a gift of healing. I have a gift, some gifts of healings in my mantle or in my anointing, but then I have a, a healing anointing or endowment in my ministry too. I didn't know that at first, and it's come over a long period of time. You know, I just paid attention trying to be a good student to Jesus and a good student to my spiritual father. And, and both of them helped me get into this. And I didn't ask for it. It just was mine. It was put on me by God, so I have to use it. And if I don't use it, I get in trouble with God. Yeah. You know, if he gives you a gift and you don't fulfill that, you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble with God because you didn't do your part. You haven't discerned what he wanted out of you, what pastor just told you, a purpose for you. And everybody has a purpose. Yeah. 
and everybody's not a clone. I'm not bragging about anything that I earned. I, everything you get from Jesus is freely given. And stop thinking in terms of you're going to get this because you earned it. You're a slow learner and a very bad learner when you think like that. I don't want anything that I earned. I want what he's offering. He offered to me to come into him, and I came, and I went into him. I was a drug addict, burnout drug addict, lost 80-pound shooting speed, just a crazy man, young man, and all the stuff that I went through as a drug addict. But he cleaned me up. He didn't clean me up before I came either. He just said, come on, I'll put your life together. And I took him at his word, and he started working on me. And I, had, I was hooked on everything but phonics. And I'm not kidding you. And I won't mention some of the things I was hooked on. This would be too embarrassing. Well, maybe I should say it. I don't know. I'll just let that go for you. I think you figured it out already. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, verse 35, Matthew 9, teaching. That was the first thing he did in the synagogues, or we would say a place of worship, the Jewish place of worship, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Think about that. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And, uh, you know, I may not have all those gifts in me, but I do have a healing endowment. It's a little broader and thicker and stronger than just a gift of healing. But anyway, I'm not teaching on that today. I'm just talking to you a minute. Um, when he saw the multitude, he was moved compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So that tells you right there how important it is to have a pastor. So you won't faint, you won't be scattered. Because some people just move from church to church until they disagree with something the pastor says, then they got, went to all my friends' churches. That was a pastor for a long time. Then my ex-members went to his church until he said something they didn't like, then they moved to the other guy's church. You become a church tramp when you do that, and pretty soon nothing will stick on you. All right. All right, praise God. I'm not, I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm just talking to you. I've seen it happen. I've been in this a long time, over 50 years now since I've been saved, about 51. Go back with me to Psalm 107. And uh, I want to look at something here, a couple of verses with you. And then we're going to maybe give some more illustrations of things. First of all, we have to realize that sickness and disease come from Satan. So when people say, you know, God put that on me to teach me something, I have no evidence of that in the Bible whatsoever. And I've read it over and over and over, especially the New Covenant, the New Testament. And I've read over what Jesus did in his ministry. That wasn't New Testament. It's in your Bible, it says New Testament. But it wasn't new, there wasn't a New Covenant until he died and shed his blood and went to hell and rose from the dead and went to heaven and put his blood on the heavenly mercy seat. Then the New Covenant could be cut. But I, pray, I watched Jesus do what he did. Now I'm just telling you, following him, that's what I know about. <laughs> yeah, so Psalm 107 verse, verse 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so you don't just say so, so, so. You say, I'm redeemed. The Lord has redeemed me. Whom he hath redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. That would be the devil. So God doesn't have any sickness and disease. He'd have to steal it. Then he'd be like the devil. The devil's a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Anything in my life that smells like that, I just automatically know that doesn't come from God. Are you listening to me? 
All right. But verse 20 is what I want to center up on and talk for a minute about it. Then we may go a little different direction. We'll pray for some of you today. If you need it, we'll see what God shows us. He might have word of knowledge service where he tells me things. Or I could just say, get up here if you have any problems, you know, in this area or that area or whatever. Could be a word of knowledge too, but verse 20, Psalm 107, verse 20. We got to say that the Lord has delivered me or redeemed me from the hand of my enemy. See, it's the enemy that's causing the problems in your life, not God. And not the person you're married to in most cases. You know, I've lived in this long enough to see people are going to die if they stay with that person. So I wouldn't recommend they stayed. I'm not, again, I'm not for divorce, but that's why God hates it, because it's tearing a covenant up. But some people just are, they just want to do it their way. Amen. And they're not about to change. Okay, just talking to you here. I don't know whether to tell you this story or not. I don't know if you can handle it. Had a lady call the church one time. My secretary's Donna. She's still there. But I never met with any ladies alone ever for any situation. I never. That was in policy. I ingrained that into my staff. In fact, I said to them, if I'm in the sanctuary and you're in there and there's one lady and she's headed for me, you stay in there until you have eyes on us and you stay in there until I leave this building. Because if she says something, I have no way to defend that I didn't do that. Thank you, Dr. Jacobs. I wish you would for a minute. It'd be helpful if you just thank me a little bit. I'm not a nut. I'm not a nut. And so this lady called and said, Donna said, what would you like to see him about? What do I need to tell you? Well, I'm going to be in there. You can wait till then, but it would help if you tell us a little bit. Well, I don't want to talk over the phone about it. It has to do with my husband. Is he coming with you? No. She did, Donna let it go because she knew what I'd tell her. I can only deal with you. I can't deal with your husband. He's not even here. I sat down, me and Donna, my secretary sat down with this lady. I said, so what do you need? She started through this rant about what her husband asked her to do sexually. And I went, la, 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 la. I'm not a sex therapist. I'm a preacher. Don't you have two children at home that are real young? Yeah. Does he have a computer? Yeah. Do you know the code? Nope. I'd say I'm almost 100% sure he's watching porn on there. No normal Christian man would ask his wife to do what, and I could tell you had a whole liver full of it. Yeah. You could have went on and on and on, and, but you, I stopped her because I, I don't need to hear all that. Yeah. I can just tell you, if I were you, this is my opinion, I'd go home and divorce him because you've got two little children to raise, and he's a yeah. pervert. Yeah. Did you use that word? I sure did. And I said, does he know you're here seeing me today? Nope. I said, okay, I'm going to give him one shot. That means I'm going to call him and say, come see me. I want you to come sit here or have my staff call. And they could just say, well, I don't know if Dr. Jacobs asked me to call you. Would you come see him this week and set up an appointment and I'll be there and he'll be there. So it was just me and him in the room. He said, I said to him, listen, I didn't pursue this situation. Your wife pursued it with me to tell me as her pastor what you had, what just a little bit. I can tell she had a whole lot more to spill about your weirdness and your perversion. If you want to stay in my church, I'll cast the devil out of you and I'll help you get delivered. But if not, he said, you can go to hell. I said, well, you're headed that way. And he got up and walked out the door and I followed him. He was going down the hall. I said, just keep on going. And if you come back, if I can't whip you, I got some ushers can take care of you. Yeah. If you fool with me further, I'll have a restraining order put on you. Yeah. 
Don't come back to my church. I don't trust you around my sheep, especially the women. Thank you so much. I'm glad you love me now. You didn't think a pastor really talked like that? Yeah, a pastor really talked like that. He's got a little courage in him, some backbone. <laughs> I'm not trying to start a fight with you out in the parking lot. I'm just talking to you. You don't like me? Go somewhere else this week. I don't care. Whatever. All right. Yeah, he said, you can go to hell. I said, well, you're headed that way. If you don't repent and get straight. But, you know, she stayed with him. I don't know what all. That's none of my business. That's not my concern. I told her what I thought, and she didn't want to do that. I can understand a woman, a younger woman, no job, two kids to raise and all that, but you shouldn't have to live in hell just to raise your kids. Mm -hmm. Had another lady in my church. She came to see me. She had two little girls to raise. Her husband left her high and dry. She has to send the marshals to get money from him for child support. I said, listen, you can go ahead for a while right now because you're young. Use the money the government gives you because I gave them money to give you money. But I wouldn't live like that lady. Go back and get an education, get a good job, and get out of all that junk. You can be anything you want to be. You can be a doctor if you want. You can be an attorney. You could run for governor. I don't know. You could do anything. <laughs> she did. She took my word. She went back to school and became a dental assistant. Got a good job and she continued to be educated. I'm not down on everybody, you know. I'm just <laughs> trying to help some people. Some of them are harder to help than others. Because they're headed for hell, for sure. All right, I want to read this verse 20 to you and say a couple of things, then I'm going to move on. Verse 20 of Psalm 107, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Now, it's interesting here. He's telling us how to get healed. The word heals you. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his written word first, and then Jesus personally came as the word becoming flesh in John 1, and then living his life before us to give him, uh, to give us an example to follow so that we could learn that. And uh, so, but still, we, got the, we need the, real, the written word and the living word both to help us. We have the Holy Ghost mainly to help us in that because he's the teacher and guide now. But it says, I want to read this to you again. He sent his word and healed them. And notice there's no limitation on that. I mean, healed them. Whatever they had, he got healed. And delivered them from their destructions. I want to say this as nice as I can. It doesn't even mention the devil here. It's people just got their lives so entangled, they are destroying their own life. Now, he'll help you. He'll jump in there with you and agree for everything that you shouldn't do to do. But anyway, I saw here, their destructions, I said, I wrote it down in my Bible. What is our destructions? Sometimes the way we think. Number two, the way we talk. Number three, the way we believe. So we need to work on those areas. But it all comes back to knowing the Word, knowing the Bible. So let me, I took some things from that comment, you know, verse 20, and I wrote these things down. This is what the Word does for you. It answers all your questions. I had every question you had, can have and probably something you didn't think of as a Baptist. I was a Baptist, you know, and I got saved. I, I, was, I went to a Baptist church because that's all I knew when I was a drug addict. I didn't, I didn't go to church when I was a drug addict. I, after I repented of some things, I was in California. It's a long story. And I came back home, and I started going back to church. 
And so um, I got saved six weeks later. I didn't know nothing, but I said, I'm just talking to you here. You're listening to me. And I had all the questions. What about Paul Thorne? What about Job? I, I don't carry stuff on that. You could get on my website. I have little cards back there. I don't have one to show you. It's got my picture on it. And in the back of it shows you how to get on me if you have a phone or have a computer. All my tapes are free. You can download it. You can listen to me. You can scroll through there. I got over 200 messages on the, my website. I don't sell them to you now. I just give it to you. If you've got enough gumption to look on a phone to do that or a computer, I don't have to pay for hauling lot stuff all around the world. I got my books with me. The Lord told me, no, get rid of those. I didn't get rid of anything. I just stored it and put it online for you to have it. You know, different subjects I teach. 213 tapes or 213 something, something, 203, I don't know, something like that. But anyway, I had all the same questions, but as I stayed with the Word, this is my point to you, whatever question you got, there's an answer in the Bible for you, and if you'll be diligent, God will show you every answer that rebukes. You don't have to keep that disease, you dirty dog, you. <laughs> God didn't talk like that. Jesus didn't say, you keep that leukemia, you dirty dog, you. He didn't say that. He said, be healed. I know you can, I just don't know if you will. And he just settled it once and for all, be healed. He laid his hands on leprosy and said, be healed, I will be healed. Be cleansed, and immediately he was cleansed. Of course, Jesus is more established in it than some of us, for sure. You know, and he had all the gifts of the Spirit. But anyway, other than tongues interpretation that I don't know anything about. Anyway, are you listening? So when you have questions of how to get healed or whatever you need to ask, and God's word, his word, will answer your questions. Number two, the word feeds your faith. If you want to get healed, you need faith. Now, God may, he may heal you on credit if he realizes you have messed off and, and, you know, not done things right. He may cut you some mercy in the beginning of your life with him. He did me. You know, I was a drug addict. I was just a crazy drug addict. And I, I didn't have any faith other than he spoke to me when I was in that youth meeting that night. and said, if you'll come forward tonight and get saved, I'll put your life back together. And I said, I just got up and left. I had, was with a girl that was a senior in high school. Of course, her parents went to my mom's church, and my mom told about me in the prayer meetings on Wednesday night, pray for Michael. He's going to kill somebody or get killed. He's a drug addict, and he has a gun. But anyway, I just started staying with the word, and it fed my faith to help bring me into clarity about it. I didn't get it from the Baptist. They didn't know nothing about it. I went to a Baptist seminary. I got, a, I got a doctor's degree now, but that's not important. The point I'm making is I fed on the word, and it fed, fed my faith on, and answered all my questions. You know, if you go to the Word and somebody's already taught you that God did this, you read it, but you didn't read it right because you think God put that on Job. But the Bible doesn't say that. It said Job, the devil put that on Job. <laughs> his problem was he got in fear over his children. Some of you that are older about your kids, you better stop praying like that. You're going to kill them. That is good. I got two children and they're alive. And anyway, I'm just talking. I'm not throwing it, but you... You can't, you, when you give, if you're trying to get your kids out of trouble, that's what he did. And he made a sacrifice, but then he just kept doing it continually because he wasn't in faith. Yeah. And he tells you by the third chapter of the book of Job, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. Yeah. He killed all of his kids. The devil killed them, but he allowed it because he didn't have any faith to keep them off of that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
So it feeds your faith. It, I could say a lot more, but I'm trying to get through this a little bit, just a general message about healing. Psalm 107, verse 20, he said his word and heals us, delivers us from our destruction. There's no destruction you have that can't be taken care of in Christ. And number three, it puts you in a position to receive it. Because like I said, some people, this is, and the medical industry's helped us this way. I'm not down on doctors. Listen, I am not anti-doctor, anti-surgery. If you have a bad uh, thing from the doctor and he tells you you got six weeks to live, but you could take surgery or take something and change that, you gotta be a smart person, not a proud person to try to kid us all that you're in faith and we know better. Some of us know when people are in faith and when they're not. Yeah, I told a relative one time, can you tell me whether I have this surgery or not? I said, I can tell you right now, I wouldn't have it if you're thinking like that. But you better be sure you're supposed to have the surgery. And she, she didn't take, I said, if I get something from God while you ask me, that's my mother-in-law. And she lived with me. I said, Mom, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have you get that until you know for sure, for a fact, you're supposed to get it, a knee replacement. Now, if you got a knee replacement, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about my mother-in-law, but I want to show something. I said, until you know you're supposed to have it, don't get it. You think you're putting me and Diana, my wife, at the time, she's in heaven now, that you're putting us in a, you're not putting us anywhere. I'll get you one of those motorized scooters, put a little ramp in the garage. You already got this plush suite in the first floor. You helped us buy the house. You're not putting me out a bit. Don't get the surgery until you're absolutely sure you should get it. That's what my advice would be. But she got it and had septus because she was taking a medication that ate a hole in her stomach and dumped all the contents into her cavity. And she was in ICU for 47 days. She never regained ability to talk or anything. They had her on a thing down in her stomach, you know, had a liver doctor, a lung doctor, a heart doctor. It was terrible. And she still went on to heaven. She was 80 some years old. Thank God for that. I think she was 80, I don't know. I don't really know what, how, 80 something. But see, she was trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I tried to tell her, don't do it until you're absolutely sure, Mom. Amen. How do I know you're sure? I said, well, you, want to, you have peace about it and you have joy. That's what Romans 15 says. When you're in faith, you have peace and you have joy. If you don't have peace about it, you feel skittish about doing it, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, don't do it. But, I mean, I know she felt maybe she felt under pressure, not because of us. We never said a thing to her about imposing on us. We wouldn't ask you to live with us if we thought it was you were imposing. And if you were imposing, we're still going to love you and let you impose. I love you. That means yeah. I'm going to do what I can do to help you. Yeah. You don't impose on somebody that's yeah. willing to love you yeah. until you die, you know. Thank you so much. Pat me on the back once. They're not saying nothing. I... So faith, uh, so the word answers your questions, feeds your faith, puts you in a position to receive. And let me say something before I go to the next one. That means if you don't, if I say something today and you don't respond because you're not absolutely convinced to come, let's sit where you're at. I'll be here tonight, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I can't tell you when you're going to lock in and have faith or not. Yeah. I'm telling you when you do have faith, you have peace and joy to respond. And see, what I, the reason I read that about Jesus, they stayed with him three days. He didn't get everything done in one service either. <laughs> There's a lot of things we think Jesus did that he didn't do. Yeah. And he likes to tell me when I make a mistake. 
like crying in the hotel room because that church was so stubborn. He said, well, you're not above me, are you? I said, no. I said, well, they threw me out of my own hometown. They wanted to throw me over the cliff. So quit that crying. I know you love the people, but just stop that crying. You're not going to get anything but crying anyway right now. Just are you going to help people further if they receive you on a different level and other people you're going to have to leave them like you found them. Yeah. I feel like telling you another story. I think I'm going to. <laughs> Had some people come to my church when I was pastor and they were well dressed. They seemed to be intelligent when they talked to me, maybe somewhat educated. And they said, uh, some of your, they'd only been there two months. I don't even know if they'd get through the new members class. Some of your members tell us you cast devils out of people. I said, well, I do if they need it. What are you talking about? Why are you asking? Our daughter, well, I didn't know you had a daughter. How old is she? 14. Where's she at? We had her committed to the mental hospital in Louisville. You had her committed for what reason? Because she climbs out the windows at night and has sex with boys and started taking dope. And you think that's going to fix everything for her over to the mental hospital? Well, that's all we need to do, but we heard you could help us. I said, well, I can help you in two, in two you, have to, you have to agree with me these two things. Number one, I'm in charge, you're not. Number two, you're going to be with me when I pray for and I'm going to add a third one, you don't interfere with this, and I can help your daughter. Simple. They said, well, we'd really like you to come pray, so <laughs> you don't know me. Some of, most of you don't know me yet. I mean, they've only known me, what, 10 or 12, 15 years? Yeah, so I know they don't know me fully, and you don't know you definitely don't know me fully. So I prayed and fasted and got ready to go to deal with this girl, 14 years old, at the mental hospital. I check in downstairs. They take my ID, and uh, orderly takes me up to the floor, knock on the door, and orderly on the inside unlocks it. He shoves me in and said, you're going to have to find this guy to get back out of this, this wing. She's in room 12. So I go there, and I go in. And when I ran in, she ran to the furthest, furthest corner in the, in the room and started whimpering like a little puppy. You know when you rub the nose of your dog and he's dew or he's pee? And he goes, <laughs> or you beat him with a paper? <laughs> and that's what she did. <laughs> I said, that don't bother me a bit. We're going to go over there, Dad. You're coming with me. And, and I'm going to catch that thing out of her. He grabbed my arm like this. I said, what's up? And he said, my wife and I have been thinking. I said, oh, my God, no. And I bet I know what you're going to tell me, but go ahead, let me have it, Dad. Well, we decided we didn't want your help. So you want to leave your daughter in a mental hospital. You know she's already had sex. You said that by fact, evidently you knew it or she told you or something. And there's other people in this hospital. She might find a way to have sex in here that they don't know about yet. I don't know. Number two, you're going to leave her up for doctors to try to counsel the devil out of her, and they don't know nothing about demons. Most of them. Even the church don't even know much about it. Even the preachers, my God, don't know much about that. Half of them are afraid of the devil. I don't know why you'd be afraid of the devil. That Jesus whipped him bad. <laughs> He's afraid of me. I've made him be afraid of me. <laughs> and I, I didn't even whip him. Jesus, my big brother, did it for me. He said, you fool with this guy. You're fooling with me again. <laughs> Anyway, I said to him, you're kidding me. So you're going to let your young daughter that's been exposed to two, one, at least one, maybe both have been tremendous impact on her flesh. Yeah. To have intercourse with another human being at 14 years old 
and then to do dope, whatever kind, I don't even know what kind of dope she's into, but all of that so impacted her, you're gonna leave her in here, they're gonna counsel her, and when she gets out, she's not gonna be helped at all unless she stays on meds, and that's only gonna depress her normally, or be an antidepressant drug or something like that. You people are nutty. I told them, to, you're both crazy, you belong in here, she needs to get out with me. And this is your daughter, and you want to, and then I just went on with that. I said, so you want to work at a bar, taking her clothes off where she can make a lot of money in a trailer park and has three kids and no husband. That's what you're doing to your daughter. Do you understand me, people? Yeah. I'm asking you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I told them all that. Yeah. If she ends up like that, that's your fault, Dad, Mom. Yeah. You two weenies, you, I, I just can't help you. And you bugged the two out out of me right now. I want to help you with your daughter. You'll have enough care for her to let me help you. Yeah. What is the matter with your brains? Yeah. You've been educated beyond your ability to think right. Yeah. Yeah. She's either on meds the rest of her life or going to psychology people. And a lot of those people, I know people personally went to them for their marriage. And they told them to have another partner. It wouldn't matter. It'd help them. Yeah. That's what a lot of the psychologists are telling our kids. Yeah. <laughs> Not my kids, but kids in the church. I'm sorry I got wound up about that. I just wanted to tell you. I wanted to dump that on you a little bit here, help you understand something. You're supposed to be the parent. I tried my best, and I said, I just said, Father, forgive me. I'm going to have to leave her like I found her. She's still over there whimpering. She wasn't whimpering. The devil was afraid I was going to get to her. That's the first time I'd seen her. I'd never seen her before or anything. All right. So... And number four, the word does this, helps you meet the conditions that you need to get healed. So that's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good little thing I'm talking to you about. You with me? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, I don't know, maybe I've talked too much today. <laughs> There's just so many things to say about this. And so many different healings and all kinds of things. And that bothered me that they acted that way. And I told them to their face. I didn't say something. And, you know, I didn't cuss them out or nothing. I just said, you people bother me. I don't, you've, you've let the world talk you out of her deliverance. And I'm sorry you did that to your daughter. I said, you ought to be ashamed of being, you ought to be ashamed of parents right now. That's the way I'm looking at you. And the reason I know about being in a hospital, I was in them on the hospital one time. I know what they do. They tried their best with me. I had group therapy. I had personal therapy with the head psychiatrist. I took drugs in there because they gave them to me to calm me down. And I came out a worse addict than when I went in. Not proud of that. I mean, stuff gets your claws in you. I mean, with drugs with me. I mean, I, I couldn't say no after a while. I kept trying to say no as it, as it progressed. Well, I'm just going to smoke a little grass. I'm just on. And then all of a sudden, I'm smoking hashish and all kinds. Then I'm saying, I'm not doing chemicals. Then I'm doing barbiturates, which are downers, and they made me meaner than a junkyard dog. And <laughs> then I said, I want to try speed. I think I like that better. And I liked it so much, I you know, almost fell in love with it, shooting it in my arm. And, of course, the... Psychedelic drugs was in there mixed in with all that too. The mescaline, psilocybin, and paper dot micro acid and all that stuff. But I got to where I couldn't say no to stuff. Yeah. Terrible way to live. Yeah. And Amen. anyway, 
I finally got help in Jesus. He helped me. He helped me. And I, I told him, I said, you're getting the short end of the stick. Because I don't have much to offer you. You know, I just feel scrambled in my brain. My mind didn't work right for several years from all the drugs I did. My wife was concerned for me even after we were married. I didn't marry the girl at the church with me that night. That was just a girl I went to date. And the next weekend she handed me a Bible and said, get out of my life. But she got me to that meeting and that's where I got saved. So I met my wife five months later. Anyway. Are you listening to me? What's this have to do with healing everything? <laughs> you have a good wife or husband, they can help you be healed. But just remember, you can't carry somebody entirely with your own face. Sometimes it works, but sometimes there's other obstacles there. Thanks for letting me talk. And I, I'm not boasting in anything that I've said to you. It happened just like I said it or I wouldn't have said it. I'm not a liar. And I didn't teach my kids about Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny either. That's why they're normal. I didn't lie to them. Yeah. I'll tell you a little story about my granddaughter that's real cute. I don't, if I've already said it and you've got it, don't act like you know about it. Just smile at me. <laughs> uh, she was uh, six then. She's 10 now. She's all grown up, you know, starting to do stuff. You know, she's a cheerleader and she's going to dance and learning an Irish dance. She must have got that from me because I'm Irish. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, she called me. She's six, six years old. Her birthday was in a strange day where she had to go to preschool before she went to first grade. So she's at a Lutheran preschool. And she calls at home. My wife was alive then. My wife went home about two years ago. Many of you know her. And she was with me when she was alive. Diana, wonderful wife, married 48 years. She's, I said to her at the end, she said, I want you to take your faith off keeping me here. Michael, I'm done. I just want to go home. I want you to use your faith to let me go home. So you can think whatever you want to think. I'm just telling my side of it. So I said, well, it's a hard thing you've asked me because <laughs> I love you and I need you, but you've never complained about any of this. And she said, I'm just done. Put a fork in me. I'm done. I've done all the surgeries, the radiation, the chemotherapy, and I'm none better. And she wasn't. I'm not throwing that at the doctors. They tried their best to take care of things. It's just some things doctors can't do. They're not God. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm not running you down. If you have something serious, don't try to be a super faith person when you've never been a faith person at all or a very minimal faith person, not a big faith person. To judge yourself and just get the treatment you need to get better. We'd like you to stay around with us while on the earth. <laughs> anyway, let me get back to my granddaughter. So she calls and Diana answers. It's Natalie. She wants to talk to Papa. Okay. Hi, honey. What's up? This is my granddaughter, Natalie. Well, I went to school today, and it was show and tell day, and I told him that I, my papa is called the angel man. And I told him that mommy told me that you see angels. Is that right? Yes, sometimes. Why won't you tell me how to see an angel? That's a, a good question for a six-year-old to give me. But I don't lie to six-year-olds. And uh, I said, well, honey, I don't have the authority to tell you you'll do that. You have to talk to Jesus about it. I didn't want that. I didn't ask for a vision or anything. Now, I said, if you just stay with God and stay with your Bible, maybe as you get a little bigger and older, you'll know more, and you could talk to Jesus about it. He's the one to have to authorize it. He's the head of the church. I'm not. I'm your grandpa, and I'm a preacher, and I knew God. 
pretty well, but I still can't give you authority that you're going to see something when I don't know that for a fact in here. And she seemed to agree, she seemed to get it, and she's, I said, what else did she tell me? And I said, uh, and, and you told your class, they call me the angel man, that my, your grandpa sees angels all the time? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and mommy said, you wrote a book, how come I don't have one? I said, well, do you even read yet? No, nope, but mommy said she'd read it to me. <laughs> I said, well, you and I'm going to get you one, and mommy can read it to you. And I said, what's all this interest in with angels and stuff, honey? I mean, all of a sudden you just, you, and I appreciate you asking these questions. They're good questions, but Grandpa would never lie to you. I'm telling you the truth. You can use the angels, and all you got to do is open your mouth and say something, but why are you so interested in there right now? Well, I'm, and she's got a little black girlfriend at church that's named Avery, and then she's got a little white girl in church named Bella. I want to pray for my friends that the angels will protect them. I said, well, can you pray with me if I go slow with you? Yeah. And I said, Father, and she said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I release my faith in the angels for Bella and Avery to protect them today. In Jesus' name, I just a little comment, and she repeated it, amen, amen. So I said, can you pray that every day? I could pray that every day. I said, oh, that's all you need right now. Until you have more scripture in you, you just keep praying what I just taught you to pray every day, and your angel will take care of you too. You just have to talk to him, even though you don't see him, because I knew she was interested when her mommy told her I saw things. I want to see things too. Well, I, there's not a bad thing to want to, but you can't yeah. demand that of God. That's not in the Bible. You have to talk it over with Jesus. Maybe you get bigger. Maybe, you, maybe you'll have some of me in you that will lean towards that. I don't know, but you'll have to talk it over with Jesus. He's still the head of the church, and I'm not. I'm just your grandpa. I love you, and I'm telling you the truth, honey. I'd never lie to you. Okay, well, thanks. And she, The next time I saw her, where's my book? I said, get in the car. <laughs> and I went up to church and got, got one of my books from up there. <laughs> gave it to her. Anyway, praise God. I just, that's a key, and I said to her, this is the key thing. I said, and I was, I was thinking Lutherans were a totally different breed of people until I read a book about them about eight years ago. And it said 300 years ago, all the Lutherans. Now listen, to, I know you probably think they're high, high church, and they are kind of. You know, cone hats and candles and incense and whatever. Episcopalians and all them. I read a book about the Lutherans and it said 300 years ago they wouldn't accept anybody in their new members class until they took them through deliverance. I said, I don't even know a full gospel church that does that on the planet. That rang my bell. I don't care whatever they didn't do right. That's, but see, they were doing something right there. <laughs> Just to help people to come in and know if they had previous problems with the devil, they were going to teach them how to get delivered from him and how to triumph over him. Yeah. He's already defeated. That's the truth. Yeah. If you just realize your authority, I might teach on that one night. I don't know. I got a Bible that was published in 1906 by Mr. Wade, W-A-D-E, and he changes the word kingdom to dominion in every passage. It's just a New Testament. I don't think you could get them unless you have some place that has old books or something. But a friend of mine gave me one, another pastor friend. Knew I liked that. And I taught on Dominion at Pastor Dennis Hadaball's church a while back on, on a Friday night. I think if you go back in his archives, you hear me teach on Dominion at his church, Dr. Dennis Hadaball Church on the Rock, Georgetown, Texas. Anyway, I don't know if you want to hear me or not, but <laughs> on that subject. But we got we to gotta get it straight that we are in a control down here. The, the Lord's not in control down here except through us. We're his body. 
think about yourself. If your head wants yeah. to do something, your body won't cooperate, you're not going to do it. I got to go to the store and get bread. Well, get in the car or go walk next door to JC, I guess, whatever. But you got to do something with your body to get there and you got to have money to pay for it. All right. Hallelujah. I'd like you to come today, come up here in a minute. I'm going to minister to you. We may not do all our ministry in one service, but if you have any trouble with your bones, I'd like you to come up here. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.